Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, young people can make their way out to church at this time. And young people can make their way out. And I appreciate you being here today. Very special day as we dedicate our shoe boxes uh, here in a little bit. And uh, you've done a wonderful job of bringing some in. And appreciate that so much. It'll be a blessing getting the gospel and the love of God around the world. Certainly, uh, uh, we have been reminded, if, if you didn't know, that uh, the world's in a mess, our nation's in a mess. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't know what a lot of our fellow citizens are thinking. <laughs> Let me just leave it at that. I do, I do not know. I'm glad that I know who holds tomorrow, though. I'm glad that my faith, as I've told you many a time, is not in government, and that is not uh, the solution to our problems. It's the, it's the source of our problems, um, right? Okay, I know I'm channeling Ronald Reagan there, right? It's just coming right out of me, and, you know, Ronaldus Magnus, you know. Yeah, we need need a man like him. Where you know, Brother Ronaldus. Uh, all right, uh, all right. I'll, I'll I'll move on. I promise. But I'll get back to it at some point. Just stay tuned. Um, I, this morning we're going to continue on in our series. And this morning I've entitled uh, our message today: "How come it never works for me? How come it never works for me?" Now maybe you don't feel like that all the time. But I'm going to imagine that if you live for God any length of time, you think along the way in your spiritual journey as you're praying about things that you see other people, and then you look at your own thing, your own prayer list or whatever, and you say, man, how come it never works for me? Now, we are in a series, in a broader series that I've entitled, God, Where Are You? So this is a sub-point of that, dealing with that general issue of God, where where are you at in the times that I really need you? And we are going verse by verse through John chapter number 11, and we are probably our third or fourth, uh, uh, I don't know what this is, third or fourth one in uh, into this series, and we're making our way through verse by verse. You'll remember last week we looked at um, uh, the first three verses, so if you have your Bibles, uh, John chapter 11, verse number one, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now remember last week we began uh, understanding that John introduces us to a family that we've read about in other parts of the Gospels, one of Jesus, some of his closest friends, a place he stayed at many, many times. And we find that once Lazarus is kind of so sick he's out of it, the sisters finally uh, send a uh, word to Jesus. And you remember, as we studied and evaluated the message that they sent, we uh, came up with uh, this, uh, this uh, admonition from last week, you know, in your prayer life, you know, don't send reports, send requests. Don't send reports, send requests. They gave Jesus basically a medical update on Lazarus, and they didn't ask Jesus for anything. Well, when you pray, ask. And we find that they, they don't really do that. Now, we're going to move on this morning and look at John chapter 11, verse number 4. Let's pick it up there. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, that the Son of God, might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had there, heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Well, let's pray and let's look into God's word this morning. Lord Jesus, it's been great to be here this morning uh, to sing about uh, your faithfulness to us and your love to us. Thank you for the folks who've utilized their gifts in music and uh, other talents around the facility this morning. Thank you for the, uh, the folks that work in our children's ministries and the nursery uh, that volunteer there and serve. Bless them and watch over our children. Uh, we're so thankful for the blessing of children. And Lord, I know 
We have uh, several moms here in the ministry that are expecting. We ask a special blessing upon them as well. Now, God, give us a few moments as we look into your word to relate to how our spiritual life goes and our walk on this earth goes, and may it give us a greater hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, when Jesus hears the report of the messengers that Martha and Mary had sent to him, uh, he says, this sickness is not unto death. And then as I read, we find that he stays where he was for two more days. Now, we know, as we read, as we'll look through the rest of this passage here in the next several weeks, but if you know this at all, you know that when the disciples heard this, they thought, when Jesus said, well, you know, the sickness is not unto death, that Lazarus is going to be fine. You know, he, he just needs a little rest. Matter of fact, they, they, uh, they put this thought to, the, to word down in verse number uh, 12 here of John chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can look at it there. Or I'll put it up on the screen. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. You know, basically, take a good nap and you'll be fine. Right? Hmm. Now, you and I know that the messengers, when they heard this report, those who had come from Martha and Mary, and they're there in the context, and Jesus says, the sickness not unto death, you know, more than likely, they headed back to Bethany to tell the sisters the good news. Now, they'd all committed a little bit of what you and I around here call a suicide. Now, I imagine when they get back there to Bethany, and we don't know exactly when Lazarus himself had died, but let's say that he was still lingering around, and they come back and they say, you know, don't worry, just trust in Jesus, and get Lazarus some rest, and everything's going to be fine. Hmm. Ever been in a deep place of anguish? Maybe some really deep, deep pain? Maybe it's emotional pain, maybe it's physical pain, maybe it's both. And you get to a point in your life where you feel like everything is so hopeless and you feel like in, in the trial that God has allowed you to go through that it's never going to end. And then some well-meaning people, they come up to you and they basically say, don't worry, trust Jesus, get a little rest, everything's going to be okay. Ever been given that information from somebody? Hmm, I, 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 I've, I've been on the receiving end of that a time or two. Usually, somewhere along the line, when folks are giving you this, this word, you know, hey, just get, everything's going to be all right, just get some rest, everything's going to be fine. Somewhere along the line, you know what verse of Scripture invariably has to come up, right? Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and them who are called according to His purpose. Now, that's a true statement, isn't it? But there have been times in my life where that... I had a hard time bringing application into my life. And let me say, sometimes in our well-meaningness, sometimes I think believers use that as a cliche that I can give someone, oh, that's a, that's a, that'll give them a, a wonderful verse of Scripture, and boy, I, I've, I've done, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. You know, there are a lot of verses in Scripture that are easier to say than they are to live. And by the way, that verse in Romans 8, 28, I would really challenge you to struggle to or to study the, the the context in that i think pastor danny you have a c4c ver, uh, video on that verse i think you do don't you all right yeah yeah it's a, it's a it's a great series you really want to get the the best application of that verse in its context it's it's really interesting i won't digress into that but c4c apologetics you can find it on our website at oddbaptist.com uh really good right next to the give button that follows you around when you go on the website i'm just kidding i'm just kidding some of you have never been on our website, have you? I was on, I, I, honestly, I, the reason I think that's funny is because I was on a website the other day that, uh, of a, uh, 
uh, I was checking out a church. We pastors do this, and it was no, not in this immediate area, but I won't share. But I, I, went to their, I went to their website, and that's literally what, what happened on their website. Wherever you went, you navigated their website. When you went to another page, like you went to the Iwana page, once the new page refreshed up, the little give button popped up next to it. <laughs> I thought, I thought, Bud, you're, 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 I, I don't know who you're pastoring, but that would tick my people off. So, uh, we, you know, and I am here. Uh, we appreciate your faithfulness in giving. Bottom line is, sometimes those words and words that are well-intentioned, sometimes are still hard to hear, and sometimes uh, people will bring information from Scripture that has a little bit of a suicide mixed in it. That, that we'll take a verse of Scripture, and in our well-meaning, we're going to apply it and give it to somebody else, even if that maybe is not exactly what God is doing in their life. And I, I don't know how these folks were, but I will tell you in my own life, um, I'm glad there are times that not everybody can hear what I'm thinking. Anybody else got that thing? Matter of fact, I'll even go one farther. I'm glad there are times where, where I'm glad people can't hear what I'm saying. Amen. Yeah, Russ, I'm sure you got a double amen on that, you know. Um, because we know in this story, things go from bad to worse. We know that sometime soon after the messengers returned uh, to Lazarus, Lazarus dies. Now, I just got to ask you, how does it ring if, if 10 minutes earlier, the messengers from Jesus and from the other disciples come in and say, hey, don't worry about Lazarus, get him a little rest, give him a nap, you know, give him a little aspirin, you know, whatever your favorite concoction is, and give him that, and he's going to be fine. And that afternoon, he's dead. This is one of my beefs, if I can be a little beef, with some of the folks that have adopted some very bad theology and just feel like, they can name and claim. And we talked about this last week, if you want to hear about prayer principles last week, but I'll, I'll be at a hospital visit and come behind someone or someone will be in and they're praying and they're, they're commanding that the person gets healed and we know they're going to get out of here and walk up, you know, and then two days later they die. You know, now of course they want to say, oh, they didn't evidence enough faith. I'm like, no, maybe you didn't know God enough. We need to be careful on those things, but this morning I want to look at it more from the position if you're the one that's in pain, and people come in and give you a suicide good word, and then things go from bad to worse, how does the message sound now? And that is why oftentimes Christians get a little out of sorts with God because they, oh, okay, God, you said this, and my experience is not matching up with some of the promises that I read in your word. Now, this problem, when, when Lazarus dies, I'm sure it brings a whole new issue of why didn't Lazarus get better? Why did he die? I'm sure Martha and Mary, something that would have really gnawed at them a little bit, is the fact that they knew, these two ladies knew what Jesus could do. If you, if you believe they understood a lot what's in John's gospel, which I tend to think they did, they knew that Jesus could have healed Lazarus. They'd seen Jesus do miracles with their own eyes. They'd even heard probably even more miracles that he did and probably met some of the people whom Jesus had healed. And then their question may have been, we prayed, why didn't it work for me? Ever been there? Why didn't, why didn't it work for me? Maybe they thought about the lame man back in John chapter 5 at the pool of Bethesda. 
You know, this is an interesting miracle. One of the more interesting ones in the, as we study on Wednesday night in our Life of Messiahs. We'll get to that miracle here for too much longer. It's a very interesting miracle on how it works. Because the man that is lame there is trying to get down to the pool when the angel moves the water and says, you know, Jesus comes up and says, you know, what, you do want to be healed? He goes, well, I can't get down into the water. And, and, and Jesus asks him a simple question, do you want to get healed? And the guy, of course, says, yeah, of course I, does, I do. And, you know, uh, Jesus heals, heals the man. Now, if you read that story, you'll find that that the man never evidenced any faith. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And when he finally does meet Jesus, after he's healed, Jesus comes back in the next day and and talks to the man and and tells him, you know, some things. We're going to look at it here in a minute. But let me just tell you now, the first thing the guy does after Jesus identifies himself is he goes and reports to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, who Jesus is. Basically, he goes and tells on him. You know, you ever heard this phrase? And this, here's my cat meme for the day. I try to come up with one just for Pastor Danny because I know it makes his day. You know, ever heard, ever heard this, this line before? You know, good deed days? No, no good deed goes unpunished. That's what happens when you get a cat. No good deed goes unpunished. You ever say that? You, you do something for somebody and you do something out of obedience to God and you're, and you're serving Him and you're, you're doing the right thing along the way and, and, and all of a sudden doesn't seem to work for you. Maybe Martha and Mary even thought about back in John chapter 4, the, when Jesus was in Cana of Galilee and, and a Roman centurion comes to him and, and his son is very, very sick and he pleads and, he, and he's an amazing man of, of faith in Jesus. And, and you remember that uh, uh, Martha and Mary, they know that story more than likely. And do you remember the story how Jesus heals the boy just by speaking the word? He didn't even have to go there. He just said, your son's going to be healed. And the, boy, the dad went back, and sure enough, the boy was all better. Now, if God did this for a Roman, a Gentile, and you're Martha and Mary, who've housed Jesus time and time again, been faithful in his ministry, been financially supported in his ministry, and you've been praying and praying and praying for the life of your brother, and everybody else is getting healed, but your loved one dies, don't you step back sometimes and say, how come it doesn't work for me? I can tell you right now, a lot of Christians especially the current generation, are pulling away from serving God because they feel disillusioned because how come it doesn't work for me? It drives me, it's one of the great battles in my life, not specifically as a pastor, just as a, as a guy who chose with intentionality to serve the Lord. Um, when Jen and I were married, made a, made a decision that we were going to be in church and that the local church would be the central hub of our life because God was going to be the central hub of our life. And we have done that for a long, long, long time. But, and through those years and those decades, we've prayed for a lot of people. We've ministered to a lot of different people. And there's been many times, I, I, I was thinking this a few, it's probably more often than not, I've had the experience where someone's been really, really sick on something and we pray for them and for whatever, you know, whatever the issue is, they, they, they're near death and then they get better and God answers prayer graciously and they, they're restored to health, but not a month or two later, they're back doing what they were always doing. Anybody else can relate? They're, they're back rejecting God. You know, when the lame man that I mentioned in John chapter 5 when, when he was healed, and without getting in too deeply, he, it was demonstrating, Jesus was demonstrating and fulfilling 
law and rabbinic writing that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. And Jesus even looked forward from that miracle to, I believe, the raising of himself, but and also probably Lazarus, because in that very chapter, right after this whole, and the Pharisees are trying to discuss, and Jesus is telling them, you know, I and the Father are, you know, I am, we're one. Jesus is claiming that he's God and he's the Messiah. And then in John chapter 5, in verse 24, in that very storyline, Jesus says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. There's the formula to get eternal life. Simple faith in Christ for everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. I believe he was looking forward to that day where he was going to call Lazarus out of the grave. But you know, the lame man, as I mentioned, he receives a great gift from God. He receives an answer to his own personal prayer. And he's up and walking around. And in John chapter 5, the next day, the Bible says in verse 14, And afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Jesus tells the guy, listen, you've been made whole. You know, I don't think this guy necessarily is one of the few. I don't believe he necessarily at this point is even a believer in Jesus as the Messiah. I don't know if he's on his way to heaven. My guess would be probably not. I don't know if it's Pastor Danny. Maybe it's a, uh, one of the arguments y'all can have. But, but um, I, I do understand that Jesus goes to this guy and, and says, you know, you've been made whole, but don't sin anymore lest a worse thing come upon thee. Now, that implies to me that one of the reasons this man got sick, maybe he was under some kind of the judgment of God for some of his actions. That's not always why sickness comes, but it is sometimes why sickness comes. See James chapter 5. But at the end of the day, Jesus looks at the guy and says, Hey, you've been given an extension of grace. Don't blow it. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that I minister to myself included at times, but praise God to this point by his mercy and grace, I'm, I'm doing the best I can to live for him day by day. No, I'm not perfect. But I'll tell you what, it gets my gourd when you pray for someone, you pray for someone, you pray for someone, and, and God does a work in their life, and they get, they get some answered prayer, and it isn't a month later, and they're back doing the same things they always used to do, and they're back in, in as a dog returns to the vomit, as the proverb says, and they're back in those kind of things. And I'm just going to tell you, it, it, when God gives you an opportunity to, to make some changes in your life and, and, to, and to do some things that the, the way that God would have you to do them, whether it's in your relationships, like your marriage, or whether you're fine, whatever it is in your life, some, some battle you're having, and God gives you a space of grace, don't blow it because I'll tell you one thing I have seen in my life when people get the grace of God and get healed in some way but they go back to their vomit it is very very messy and at the end of the day like with this lame man if this guy received the gift of healing and then he goes and turns on Jesus and turns Jesus in. And we don't know the rest of the man's story of his life. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. Jesus says, lest the worst thing come unto you. I'll tell you one thing. I think ultimately what Jesus is saying, you can be lame the whole rest of your life and go to heaven. And it's a good day. But you can, if you, if you if you're, if you're get whole and you can bounce up and down, you can dunk a basketball and all that, but you wake up in hell one day, that's a worse thing than you ever thought. You may think it's all bad and whoa, whoa is me and I can't walk and all that. You know what? I can promise you this. No matter how bad your life is here on this earth right now, if you're breathing and you're not in hell (laughs) there's worse things that could happen to you 
revolutionary. But I struggle when I see someone that gets an act of grace and God intervenes and, and, and then they reject him. I, I've seen folks, let me give you some real practical things. Maybe there's somebody at work that gets caught doing illegal things or not following company policy and, 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 and the bosses find out and, and they get grace and they get grace and they get grace and, and you make one little minor mess up and the boss comes in and you get Dr. Week's pay. And this other guy does it not one time, not two times, not three times. You all know there's always some joker at work that gets away with that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Or, or how about somebody that's, that's suffering deeply and I find that sometimes Christians get mad at God over things that aren't so necessarily in my viewpoint so deeply. I'm not going to give you a whole list because I sat there this week and I was thinking and meditating on my years in ministry. Some of the things that have, people have told me have caused them to doubt God and walk away from their faith. I remember one time, this is in Indiana, somebody, they got mad at God because they bought a new house and like a week or two later their water heater leaked all over their house. And they were mad at God. Phew. I didn't get the promotion at work. I'm mad at God. I can tell you one thing about suffering deeply is I'm a little bit, a little knowledgeable in it. Some of you in here are along in that chronic pain club and as Martha and Mary facing and enduring the loss of their loved ones. When you go through some things that are really, really painful, it does clarify some things in this life. We as Americans are so weak. And I know and I look at what God does for other people, I say, God, how come you're not doing that for me? I've done all this and all this, and this person gets their prayer answered. They, they, they get grace over here. Why not a little bit for me? Now, I know you might say, well, I've never talked to God like that. Well, then I would suggest you probably never had the deep, deep pain like Martha and Mary. Because if you go through deep, deep pain, inside of our heart is this question, where are you, God. And neglecting the question about how come God doesn't do it the way he does for everybody else only adds to the suffering and despair. i, I got to tell you, God's not afraid of your why. And if we don't ask God why with an honest heart, I, I don't know if we can really ever know his comfort. So today, let me give you two things I want to, when you have those why questions from our text on some of the why that you may feel that way. Number one this morning, notice what Jesus says. Number one reason, maybe why not me, is consider the glory of Jesus himself. Notice in verse number four, Jesus says, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Notice Jesus says this trial was first for the glory of God the Father, and then he gets more specific that the Son of God might be glorified. Again, there's this union, there's this oneness between God the Father and God the Son, and this particular miracle that Jesus is about to do by raising Lazarus from the dead is a very special miracle. If you'll come on our Wednesday nights on the life of Messiah, you'll learn as we study the life of Jesus that there's a real pivotal point where after Jesus has spent the early part of his ministry presenting himself and proving himself to be the Messiah, that the Jewish leadership comes down and they evaluate what Jesus has done and they 
They reject what he does. They say, you're doing these miracles by demon possession, and they commit the unpardonable sin. No, the unpardonable sin is not suicide. No, the unpardonable sin was done by that Jewish generation as they rejected the offer that Jesus legitimately made to be their Messiah, and they said, no, nationally they said, no, we reject you. And Jesus, remember after that what he said to them? Because you've done this, you're not going to receive any more signs save one. Remember what it was? The sign of resurrection. And that's the only sign he's given to the Jewish people from that day forward. And we know, as we study the scripture, there'll be three of them. First is the resurrection of Lazarus himself, or of Lazarus, then the resurrection of Jesus himself, and then in the end times, the resurrection of the two witnesses. The first two signs are rejected. If you read your scriptures, you'll know the last one the Jewish people will finally respond to. Bottom line is, the raising of Lazarus back to life was a big deal. A big deal. And can I submit to you that sometimes you and I don't recognize that in our life, God is doing big things. We think so little of ourselves. Oh, God, no, 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 no. And I will tell you that some of God's choicest servants, if you study the scriptures from beginning to end, I find that the servants of God, the most choice ones, are not the ones that were given always the path of ease, but they were typically given great hardship. So if God has entrusted you with great suffering, it's an indication that he has a desire to show great glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He desires to reveal Jesus through you and me. So consider when you pray and you say, why not me? How come this is working for me? Well, maybe one of the reasons is is God wants to reveal the glory of Jesus Christ through you. We know that in, in the scriptures we are taught that we should do everything for God's glory. It ought to be our goal. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 10.17, but let he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Paul prayed three times that the suffering would depart from him. And the answer was no. Instead, Jesus says to him, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Consider, is it possible that whatever you're going through right now, whatever trial that you're in the middle of, whatever pain you are carrying, that in some unique way, specifically to you, God desires to show his son. You see, there are some ways in your life that God can reflect Christ that is unique, specifically to you. I say, oh, that person can do it. Never. Oh, that's for Pastor Ken. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I'm getting my fair share, right? It's for all of us. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, his desire is to, to, to reveal Christ. Ed Underwood, who's been really instrumental in this, you know, I, the guy that I heard at the pastor's conference a few weeks ago, really is what motivated the Holy Spirit, used that to shine a light on this chapter of scripture and I'll share with you later sometime in this series Ed's personal struggle but a tremendous man of God who God called into a time of tremendous physical and spiritual suffering but Ed Underwood said this when we begin to doubt his wisdom we need to think about his glory that's some profound truth right there when we begin to doubt his wisdom 
we need to think about his glory. When you and I look at what God is doing in our life and we say, oh God, I don't understand. Why don't you do that? And we've all done it. Instead, pause, take a time out and consider the glory of God and consider, is it possible that God wants to utilize you through whatever pain you're enduring to reveal the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I don't think people are real impressed with we Christians when everything is going all good. Matter of fact, in America, you know, I think most people, just as I was having fun a few minutes ago, think the church is only about money or whatever, you know. Um, But when they see somebody that's suffering and they're watching you and you and I are submitting to what God is allowing in our life, yeah, we hurt. Yeah, we weep. No, we don't understand. But they have an opportunity to see something that's very different than anything else they see. Well, first, I'd cast you to consider maybe the glory of Christ is involved. But number two, don't forget the love of Jesus either. Notice in our text, first Jesus talks about the glory of God. Then in verse 5, the Apostle John, as he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pens this phrase, this verse, that in some ways doesn't seem to fit unless you consider the greater context. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, the disciples have committed a suicide. They think Lazarus is just going to get better. And the question I had is, why doesn't Jesus correct them? He knows they've kind of somewhat misunderstood. It almost seems a little bit cruel, maybe you might say, to let Martha and Mary have this false sense of hope that's being delivered by these messengers. Then Jesus stays away, as we read in verse number 6, for two more days until he even begins his day-long journey back to Bethany. And I'll sometimes say, why is it that God doesn't answer? Uh, you know, I, I know they had to wait two days, but I'm sure those were really long two days that ended in disappointment. Um, a lot of times I get really frustrated with God because God doesn't do things on the timing schedule that I think he ought to do. I don't understand what he's doing, and then I'm praying, and then something happens that I thought, well, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened, and I start doing this, event, and I pray for things, and things don't happen. Um, I... I I don't always know why God doesn't choose to heal maybe one, a loved one that you care about. I can tell you this, here in this building and in my own personal life, and I know there's several of you in here with me this morning that are going to identify with what I'm about to say. You know, I prayed and fasted for the healing of Braxton, for Howard, for Alex, Alex, a teenager, a good kid, and he's in heaven this morning. I, I, I and many of you here, as I mentioned, is building with as pure heart and as much faith and an obedience to prayer principles as we could, prayed over and over for these people we love, and yet God said no. But we, we prayed for Braxton for a year, prayed for Howard for several years, and Alex for several years. And there are people here this morning, some of you are sitting out here, I've prayed for DT to get better, and out of the 50 back surgeries the guys had, couldn't one of them work, right? Right? Because would it be too much to ask if one of them would work? 
I've prayed for many of you in here this morning, and myself included. I'm going to lie. I pray for myself. You know, God, would you take away this, this health issue that, that you've allowed in my life? And, 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 and the answer has been apparently God says no or not yet. One or the other. And bottom line is here it's still here in DTs. And many of you are still battling. You know, sometimes when I pray and I pray like this for myself and for people that I love and God says delays, he's just lingering somewhere, I begin to doubt whether he really loves me. Because I'd say to him, God, if you really loved me, you'd fix this. I think the Apostle John probably told the story of Jesus raising Lazarus many, many times. Probably told it hundreds of times. And I think as he told that story, he got a lot of the feedback where he wanted people to understand in the middle of this story, in verse number five, never lose sight of the fact of the love of God. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary and Lazarus. He doesn't just say he loved them. He goes, no, he loved each of them, identifies each of them. And I got to tell you this morning, you and I, and I find myself in really times of what uh, Miss Karen tells me I have sometimes, stinking thinking, is when I'm in a lot of pain and I'm doubting why God is not answering my prayers and I'm hurting and he seems like he's delaying and then I begin to doubt his love and all I'm telling you is during times of great pain, our need to feel and know God's love is greater than you can ever imagine. It is something that is essential to have in your lives, and I would submit to you, you cannot live a faithful life through trial without it. You will quit on God if you conclude, A, this, this just doesn't work for me. It works for you. It doesn't work for me. Why does it work? Because God apparently doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. When you and I lose sight of the love of God, I don't know how we can continue to endure through trials. And the men, even the guys that I just mentioned to you, Braxton and Howard and Alex, even as a young teenager, through some really, really painful times, uh, battling cancer and, and ALS, terrible, awful diseases, all three of these men left the shining example of faith. For any Christian, any child of God that's here today, we must have a simple, childlike faith in Christ's love for me, for you. Not this generic, oh, Jesus loves everybody. No, no, no. You need to understand God loves you. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you're in a lot of pain and you're going through a trial kind of thing. In verse number five, where it says, now Jesus loved Martha. Maybe I'd just put a little blank there and fill in the blank, you know. Now Jesus loved Ken. Now Jesus loved Ken. Now Jesus loved Holly. Now Jesus loves Jesse. Now Jesus loves even DT. I would tell you, for those of you who are involved in emotional and physical pain, maybe you're laying there in your bed and closing your eyes and you say that over and over and over when Satan tries to tell you and tempts you to believe that God doesn't care that God doesn't love you you got to hit him right back with the word of God and say no <laughs> no Jesus loves me as Ed Underwood said when we begin to doubt his care we need to think about his love when we begin to doubt his care 
we need to think about his love. You know, I, would, uh, I thought about a story. I think Brother Joe's told you this story more than once, probably, uh, but it's a great one. Um, back in the 1860s, there was a couple of young, a couple sisters born in a, their dad was a lawyer, was pretty wealthy, but through some thing, circumstances, they lost all their wealth, and um, they went into writing to earn income, and they ended up writing a best-selling novel in their day. It's one of the highest-selling novels. It was back in the 1860s, and in this novel, they, it was a story, it was a faith-based story, and uh, there was a little boy in one of the fig, uh, characters in the story, his name was Johnny, and Johnny was going to church to Sunday school, and there, and there's some people in the church, there were characters in the novel, one of them's name was John Linden, another one was named Faith Derrick, and this little boy became very attached to a Sunday school teacher who was John Linden, and he had some illness, and uh, they began to pray for him, but yet this little boy continued to get sicker and sicker and sicker, and they prayed, and they prayed, and then he would get sicker until the little boy was, was bedridden, and the little boy asked his, the people who were watching over him, would they go get Mr. Mr. Linden, and so John, or John Linden came over and to the home, and was trying to encourage the little boy, and he picked him up in his arms, and he was full of fever, and was really sick, and he was carrying this little boy in his arms as he walked back and forth across the room and Johnny little boy looks up at him and with his eyes really weak and he says he asked one little request he said he said Mr. Linden would you sing me a song would you sing me a song and in this novel the words that come out of John's mouth maybe next to amazing grace is the greatest anthem of the Christian faith for John Linden began to sing to this little boy Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he who died heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin, let his little child come in. Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me all the way. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. I'm telling you, I know lots of people, oh, Jesus, that's a kid's song. No, 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 no. That's a believer song. Because if we lose sight of the love of God, boy, I don't know how you get through the trials. So if you're asking God, how come it's not working for me? Maybe God's doing a bigger work than you ever imagined. Maybe what you think needs to be done is small potatoes compared to what God is doing in your life and never, ever, ever lose sight of the love of God. Now I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning as we close an invitation. Um, I thought it was a good song, and you know, I like to lead singing every now and again. I'm not very good at it, but I like to do it. And when I lead singing, I cheat. Um, I, 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 I don't trust you guys to sing very good because sometimes you guys don't sing very good, you know, if I can be a moment of truth. Uh, you need to sing, sing, sing out. So I bring my own choir with me. Don't they look good? I bring my own choir. They're, they're right behind me. You don't see them, but they're, they're, they're angelic. That's why you don't see them. Um, but what I'm going to do is I have Allie. Uh, I've got a, a Jesus Loves Me. It's going to come up, and we're going to sing, and the words will be up on the screen. And uh, I want this to be your invitation time. I'm going to ask the guys, matter of fact, maybe you turn the lights off or turn them down for us. And uh, why don't you all stand, and um, we're going to sing this together. And then I'll close in prayer. If you want to come to the front and pray, if you don't know that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, can I please encourage you to make that decision right where you stand? 
If you're watching online, it's so simple. Believe on Jesus Christ. Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But how about it, believers? Trials you're going through, don't forget Jesus loves you. Let's sing it together. Jesus loves me. Sing it with me. For the Bible tells me so. it's been good to meet together this morning and God this morning I particularly lift to you folks who are going through some times where they're in such deep sorrow or pain Uh, God I know the sorrow and loss of losing a loved one or going through a physical trial or some family trial God I pray that for each individual that's here this morning may they recognize that you're doing a great work in their life may we all recognize and be reminded this morning that that you do love us you loved us so much that you came and you died for us and then you didn't stay dead but you rose again that you could give us heaven that we could know that uh, boy (laughs) there are better days coming in glory thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ in Jesus name amen all God's people said amen Amen. you may be seated Um, our men are going to come for the offering this morning Uh, I guess our guys are going to come forward for the offering I think they are, and Miss Lori's going to come play the...